following is a Northern State podcasting production. It's time for the podcast that promises to catch you up on all the news and notes from the Seattle sports scene in 40 minutes or less. It's time for Rain City Sports. everybody and welcome back to rain city sports i am your host jared johnson uh excited to be back in here this is show number 10 so we've already i mean i'm, I'm excited to see the number 10 already uh it's been a little bit of a journey but um we'll keep it going here um on today's show we'll talk about uh, a little bit about the seahawks offseason still going strong draft gone now uh, officially, the compensation or not compensation, uh, compensatory um, part of the free agency is done. So, no picks associated with uh, signing free agents anymore. Um, we'll also talk about the Mariners' slide, or um, I guess slide back to earth is what I'll call it. And then uh, we'll also get into. Uh, a little bit of the NBA playoffs. And lastly, we'll pass a question off to a homie. So without much more ado. Uh... Yeah! <laughs> Let's get into it. Okay, so the Seahawks have been in the news quite a bit in the last couple of weeks here. Uh, the biggest stories to me, for sure, is they announced that they were uh, terminating the contracts of Doug Baldwin and Cam Chancellor, which makes them both free agents, technically speaking. It's been kind of known for at least a year that Cam Chancellor would probably not um, play again um, as he suffered a neck injury and uh, likely was to retire but there was sort of some formalities there as he would be forfeiting money if he actually retired so they carried him um, on the roster or on the injured list basically for most of the season <clears throat> um, so with this announcement to me um, it's a big, it's a big loss to have, um, Doug Baldwin and Cam Chancellor go. Um, Doug Baldwin had been, you know, had been a rumor pretty much for the last, for most of this off season that he was considering retirement and that he had had a bunch of injuries and had several surgeries. Um, so it's not a complete shock that they, that they released him. And since then actually, um, he tweeted out um, basically a letter to him to his younger self, um, stating, kind of saying thank you to all his friends and all of the fans and all the coaches and everybody who's been you know behind him for uh, his career. And he didn't say retire, but I mean he implied it to me. So with the loss of these two guys, to me is a. Uh, it's it's it those two guys to me are the poster boys of Seahawks football. Um they've been like, you know, the prototype of what 
what I would love to see out of Seahawks football, um, not only in the past, but going forward. Um, those two guys, the way that this, the, the way they approached everything um, on and off the field really has been awesome. Um, they did, they did, they just show what it is to be a great man, what it is to be a great leader. Um, and then also be a great NFL player also. So, uh, I think both of them will be missed immensely. Um, but I also look forward to seeing, um, what they do off the field going forward. Um, Cam Chancellor, I know has been already like he does, he has several other businesses and stuff going on off the field. Doug Baldwin in his tweets, I feel like, um, alluded to a greater purpose potentially. Um, and I've seen some people, uh, say he might be interested in getting into politics. Um, and you know, he'd be, I mean, I don't know what a great politician looks like, but, but he would, I mean, given his passion and stuff, man, he might be a good one. So we'll have to see. I mean, uh, I always, I, I feel like we always, as fans, we get caught up in the NFL player and we never, we don't necessarily think about the guys behind that, behind the, you know, behind the, the football player. Um, and in this case to me, both of these guys, Cam Chancellor and Doug Baldwin, uh, they are like, if I had a child, which I do not, but, but if I had a child, uh, I would want them to idolize these two guys. Cause, uh, they are, you know, they see, I mean, for everything I've ever heard about them, seen them, anything, they are exceptional men, even, you know, beyond football, way beyond football. Um, I, I so I feel like if you, um, if you, if you've watched these guys play, uh, you were extremely lucky though, because they're, they were great on the football field. And, you know, I just, I just think that there's going to be, we're, they're going to be missed for sure. And, and I already missed them. Honestly, I missed Cam Chancellor all last year and I will definitely miss Doug Baldwin. His, his post-game speeches and talks and stuff. Just, you know, he was a very, he's a very smart guy. Um, but I'll also look forward to looking to seeing what he brings next. Um, if you're interested in watching some tributes of, of these guys, um, I've been tweeting him out pretty much all week. Um, and, you know, uh, there's some really good ones. Uh, some of the talks that Doug Ballin gave you uh, and some of the, the, you know, you just see the, the leadership both of these guys held on this team. Um, and so it's great. I, I will say that um, I really want to thank these guys. So Doug Baldwin and Cam Chancellor, I want to say thank you for not only your football services, but also your service to the city, the joy, the the passion you brought to the game um, and, you know, what you brought to the community and to the fans of the Seahawks. Um, I say put them in the ring of honor ASAP. I don't know if there's like a limitation on that um, as far as like, you know, wait five years or whatever, but um, as soon as you're allowed to, both of those guys should be in there to me. 
Um, it shouldn't even be a question. Um, but there's no replacing these two guys for the Seahawks. But with that said, the Seahawks did make a couple moves in an attempt maybe to replace these these uh, these legends. Um, including, uh, they signed Ziggy Ansah, defensive end, out of from Detroit Lions to a one-year $8 million contract or... From what I've heard, it's somewhere in that range, um, with incentives to possibly bring it to twelve million. Um, they also they also signed defensive tackle Al Woods, um, and I don't know the details on that contract. But uh, Ziggy Ansa is a big, big time signing to me. If he can be healthy, obviously he's a double digit sack kind of guy. Uh, plays has played really good. Was franchise tagged? I think the last two years, maybe at least the last year, and maybe the last two years for Detroit. Um, but health is the biggest concern with him. Um, but he's a big time pass rusher, and I don't feel like there's a lot to lose on this deal. It's I mean it's only a one year contract, so um, we'll see what what happens there. Al Woods is more of a run stuffing. Defensive tackle with a little bit of pass rush skill, maybe. Um, not like, you know, not a sack master by any means, but more of a run stopping guy, more of a clogger. Um, but there's still a couple moves maybe to be had. Um, and they also signed a cornerback. I forgot about that. Uh, they signed a cornerback who had been playing for the Arizona Cardinals last year. Uh, I never had heard of him before, but. Potentially could be a nickel kind of guy is what what I had heard about that guy. Um, But for me, there's still a couple moves they could do. Um, I've heard a lot recently that uh, the Bucks were thinking about releasing Gerald McCoy, defensive tackle, slash end, I guess, um, for uh, possibly releasing him because he gets paid. I think he's $13 million a year or so. and if they release him, I'd love to see him come on. He's a pass rusher. He's a he's just a good all around player, really. Um, I don't know what his cost would be or anything like that, but you know the Seahawks have a ton of cap cap now um, with the potential Doug Baldwin retirement, the Cam Chancellor release, the you know trading Frank Clark. It's just that you know they they're pretty good on cap room now. They need to still need to get something done with Bobby Wagner and um Jaron Reed but Jaron Reed I guess um but we'll see how that goes uh I'd also wouldn't mind them exploring Eric Berry safety um but I don't know how his health is and I don't know how much he's asking for but now that there's no compensate or compensatory like it's not that's not in the equation anymore uh, that was the biggest reason why they waited so long to sign Ziggy Ansa is because he would have cost them a compensatory pick, which they, I think, have are, are scheduled to have four right now. I think I've read it was a third, a fourth, and a sixth, and a seventh uh, for next year's draft, which uh, is obviously a good thing for them. More draft picks, better for the Seahawks. <laughs> um, so we're kind of entering sort of a dead time for the for the NFL season now 
for a little while until mini camps and um, other things get going. Um, so there might not be a lot happening, but you know, still the Seahawks will probably, I wouldn't be shocked if they signed a couple, couple more guys or, you know, got in the news a little bit here and there. Um, but moving on the Mariners, they have been struggling. Um, they are 20 and 23 at this point, six games back in the West, maybe even seven. Um, and they're two and eight in their last 10. Um, it's been a little bit rough and, and even two and eight is, is really not even saying what's, what's been happening. Uh, as they have actually lost 12 of their last 14 and have been outscored 103 to 48 during that time. And that includes this last series this week against Boston in Boston, where they were outscored 34 to 8. Not a good sign here. Um, however, um, I'm going to look at this in a positive way, sort of. Um, this is much closer to what I expected. Uh, I didn't expect them to be what they were the first 15 games. Um, I, I felt like um, that was kind of, you know, they weren't playing. <laughs> their offense was playing so good that you couldn't sustain that. Um, like it would have been record, you know, m mashing performances offensively had they sustained that. So... Um, I'm okay with what's happening so far. I mean, I know it's not fun to watch somewhat, but um, I feel like we're building for the future. So as of now, I'm going to say keep building up those veteran resumes so that they can trade them for whoever or for, you know, some prospects or whatever, um, whatever they feel like is a good deal. Also, wouldn't mind... Um, keep bringing up those young guys. Uh, they just brought up Shed Long and uh, PJ. Uh, let's see, PJ Crawford, JP Crawford. Sorry, JP Crawford. They just brought them up, and so, um, yeah, just keep bringing that youth up. Keep giving them some experience. Keep developing them. Um, and you know. Let's see what uh, let's see what these guys can do, um, and then you know guys like Jay Bruce and D Gordon and you know Edwin and Carnacion. See if you can't get something for them. I'm not sure. Um, I think that uh, I've read a bunch lately that there's a lot of players like them around at this point in MLB. Um, so they might not have a ton of value, even though they're hitting home runs. <laughs> And having RBIs, they're not necessarily averages are pretty terrible, but um, still, I mean, you never know. Um, it's definitely worth a shot. We'll see what happens a little bit as we go forward. Um, the other big thing to me this week for the Mariners um, has been Felix Hernandez was put on the AIL injured list. Um, he has struggled a lot in the last couple starts um, and even just overall not he's been okay but he's had a couple of okay starts I guess um, and then but his ERA is 6.52 in 38 innings this year um, he he just I don't know he looks like he needs maybe a change of scenery to me 
So I don't know. Maybe they will cut him. And uh, there's been some speculation that he that that was why they put him on the injury list. That he doesn't really necessarily have an injury. That they just needed to buy some time to figure out what they want to do. Um, we'll kind of see on that, I guess, in the next couple weeks. Um, I think he's only on the 10 day DL. So, or IL, I guess they changed that this year. Um, so I want to talk about a little bit of the positives in the Mariners. Um, the reliever Brennan has been pitching real good. Maybe not, you know, he's had some rough spots here and there, but his ERA is still two, two eleven. And batting average against is still only 178. So he's been a bright spot to me. Um, This is in the last seven days, basically, is what I kind of try to base it on. Um, Kikuchi pitched lights out the last two starts, going at least seven seven innings and only giving up one run in either start. Um, Looking great. Uh, I know he had the pine tar incident, but... Uh, or he did have a pine tar incident, uh, but they actually, I hadn't knew, I didn't know that before that most pitchers actually end up using pine tar and they just don't want you to be seen, I guess it's kind of weird, but I guess they don't want you to be seen more or less with pine tar, although you're allowed to use it or not allowed to use it. I don't really know. Um, Domingo Santana is batting 409 in his last seven games with two home runs and six RBIs. So he's still having himself a good season and looking like he could be part of the future. Still, the defense needs some help for sure. Um, some people have talked about him moving back to right field because I guess that's where he was last year um, or the year before, I guess, with Milwaukee. Um, and that that might make him more comfortable. I don't know. I feel like you should be able to play left field if you play right field, but I don't know. Uh, the catcher, Navarez, has been on on fire, I guess you'd say. He's batting 412 in his last six games. Um, and he looks like he could, I don't know about for the future, probably not, but but he's been you know a pretty good addition, especially offensively, obviously. Um, and I think he's developed a decent relationship with Felix. Not that that makes a difference at this very moment, but uh, I think he catches Felix most every time. I could be wrong on that, though. I feel like I read that. Maybe I was wrong. Um, and then, so that's that's the ups, I would say, the guys who are moving up. And the guys who are moving down, that list is a little longer, I think. Um as Tim Beckham batting .095 in his last six games. Not a good sign. Uh, Vogelback also struggling lately. One point, or batting 136 with no home runs in his last six games. Hanager really been struggling, honestly, for the last month. Maybe even most of the season. And I know he's had a couple of, uh, you know, big at-bats and stuff, but he's batting 143 in his last seven games and 200 in his last 25 games. Uh, So you look at those three guys right there, and that can show you why the Mariners have lost 12 of the last 14. Because those guys were hot, and when they were hot, well, Hanager was never really hot, but the other two guys were hot. 
And as soon as they, you know, they cooled down now, the offense has, has struggled a little more. Obviously, only scoring eight runs against the Boston against Boston uh, this last three games, but even you know, if you look at a bigger sample size, uh, just not not scoring as many runs as they were earlier on in the season. Um, however, you know, guys aren't going to stay hot forever. Tim Beckham is, you know, I don't. I, I mean, he needs to play better defense if he's going to bat point nine five though for sure. Uh, and then looking at some pitchers that are on the way down I feel like Swarzak uh, he has a 21 ERA in his last two games he pitched in I think it's only in like two innings but he's but he's been struggling a little bit more I think with his command Um, and you know he's I don't know we'll see where he goes I guess Uh, I know that they took him kind of out of sort of a closer role and said they were going to pitch him maybe in the fifth and sixth inning for a couple weeks just to try to get his confidence back or whatever. Um, and the other one that's obviously on the way down is Felix Hernandez as he has an ERA of 15.95 in his last two starts, giving up 13 earned runs. Um, and I think there's a couple that are unearned um, on top of that. Um, when you look at the team as a whole, they're still first in errors on defense um, with 43, and I think that's 10 more than any other team. Um, they're 23rd in TMRA and 27th in batting average against, um, which basically means that they're one of the teams that has hit the most. Uh, hit um, the most. Their pitching has hit the most, I guess. Um, so... That's not really a good sign. Uh, they're 16th in batting average on the offensive side. Still first in home runs and RBIs. Fourth in stolen bases. Uh, I noticed first in caught stealing also. Um, and 14th in on-base percentage. So, you know, the things have cooled down a little bit. Obviously still hitting home runs, still scoring runs. Um, but not quite as a high clip as they were earlier on in the season. And when you're trying to play perfect, um, when you're trying to, when you're making the mistakes they make pitching and defensively, your offense has to play so good to maintain that. And we're seeing that that's not possible or that's not likely. Um, so we'll see kind of what they go in the next couple weeks. I'm excited to see JP Crawford and Shed Long. Both of them had pretty decent debuts um in the last couple days um but i'm excited to see what they turn into Uh, i know d gordon is on the he's just day-to-day actually because he got hit um by a pitch but um we'll see where they kind of go with those guys i'm excited to see the youth i guess um and some of the pitching youth and you know just youth in general i'd say because uh, we, I think we can see that there's not a lot of room for a lot of veterans on this team at this point because I don't feel like we're going to see 500 again. But that's the pessimist in me. And uh, I don't know. I just, I, I'm just i trying to be realist also. So uh, from here, the, C- uh, the Mariners take on Oakland for two here in T-Mobile's, T-Mobile Park, I guess. Uh, I always want to call it Safeco, but 
so yeah, they take on them for a couple games and then they have Minnesota for four games also. Uh, they obviously struggled mightily against the winning Yankees and Red Sox. I think they only won one game out of six. Um, so <clears throat> we'll see kind of what they what they do going forward. Um, I'm not expecting a ton, but sorry, something went wrong. But uh, sorry about that. Uh, my phone decided to go. Uh, that Google decided to talk, but uh, we're gonna move on, I think, um, and talk a little bit of NBA playoffs. I haven't really talked much about the NBA because obviously the Sonics don't exist at this point. And uh, but we're getting into the finals, close to the finals of the final part of the NBA season. So I figured I'd give a little shout out to it. Uh, the Golden State Warriors beat the Rockets in six. Uh, they didn't have KD for the last game and a, I think it's game and a half ish that the KD went out. Um, but they still ended up beating the Rockets and moving on to face against Portland, who who won their game seven match against Denver um, yesterday. Uh, so it will be Golden State against Portland in the Western Conference Finals. And then on the East side, uh, you had a classic, classic Game 7 um, with Toronto and Philadelphia. With Toronto coming out on top, Kawhi Leonard hitting a shot at the buzzer, um, which I actually read is the first time ever a Game 7 was won with a buzzer beater. So that's pretty cool. Um but um, Milwaukee will take on Toronto. I feel like that's going to be a great matchup. Um, we'll kind of see, I guess. But um, I feel like that's going to be the better of the matchups. I'm not sure how Portland stacks up against Golden State. Uh, I haven't really watched a ton of NBA this year, but um, I watched here and there. And uh, I feel like Golden State, obviously, has always been the favorite for most of the year. Uh, there's been talk that that KD will be back for this series, even though he missed the last game and a half or whatever. Um, we'll see if he actually comes back or if he's, you know, hobbled or anything like that. And on the other side, Milwaukee and Toronto, I feel like that's a great series. Kawhi Leonard against the Greek freak. Um, I feel like there's just, you know, there's a lot to like about that one. I might have to watch some of those games. Um, so... I think that's all for NBA as of now. Um, we may be we may be bringing a little bit of a bonus show of NBA here soon. We'll have to see if uh, I can get some people to join in. Um, but for now, uh, it's time to pass the question off to our homies. This is pass it to the So this week's question. I well, it was kind of an easy question for me because I because um, obviously with the big news of Cam Chancellor and Doug Doug Baldwin um, being released, I said I decided to ask my my homies um, what their favorite Cam Chancellor and Doug Baldwin memories were. So let's see what they had to say about that. All right, thank you, Jared. Fairweather friends here. I'm Vague. I'm Ricky. We're here to <laughs> talk about a bittersweet topic for me. 
as a Seahawks fan, as you mentioned, Cam Chancellor and Doug Baldwin, both released by the Seahawks. I mean, due to them retiring because of injuries. Yeah. Unlike some sports fans, like Kyle Hooker, will call it disloyalty by the Seahawks for not <laughs> paying them to not play for them. I don't know. But uh, so you wanted to know, like, favorite moments. It's kind of funny because we were talking about this before, Ricky. And my runner-up for favorite moment is your most hated moment as a non-Seahawks fan. Yep. <laughs> so Cam Chancellor started the trend in Seattle of jumping over the offensive and defensive lines on uh, field goals. Yeah, and he'd never get called for a penalty. Which he should not have because it was too epic to be a penalty. <laughs> um, he also, I think they failed like every time to actually block the field goals. Well, uh, he, got, he got a couple of them. The, half the time they called penalties. But yeah, no, it was pretty great. He started it last year. Bobby Wagner did it. We'll call it in his honor. <laughs> uh, Doug Baldwin. I really thought that my favorite like moment between the two would be a Doug Baldwin moment. And then the more I thought about it, tons of huge plays on drives that like stalled or when the offense wasn't going well or big third down to keep it going. A lot of great sideline catches. But his counterparts on the other side benefited from him getting all the attention. And all the biggest touchdowns are from guys like Jermaine Curse, Golden Tate, and Tyler Lockett. Yeah. So you had Curse had a overtime touchdown against Green Bay in the playoffs. He also would have had the greatest catch in Super Bowl history. The catch in the Super Bowl for the Patriots down to like the four-yard line that we don't talk about anymore <laughs> uh, because of how that story ends. Tate had the big the fail Mary catch also against Green Bay when the uh, replacement refs were there and <laughs> called different things. Uh, so I feel like Baldwin, because he was the number one receiver for the Seahawks and they don't throw a lot, it was all those other guys who get the deep touchdowns. Shit, Tyler Lockett had like and like no drops last year. He was like one drop or something. It was like pretty much the lowest in the league because he basically it's wide open catches deep down the field. So that brings me to what I decided was my favorite Cam Chancellor moment. About five minutes into the Super Bowl in 2014 – the Denver Broncos throw a drag route over the middle. It's just a regular play, but it's something that the that Broncos team, which was statistically the greatest offense of all time, Demarius Thomas catches a two-yard drag route, and Cam Chancellor hits him so hard, he flies and rolls seven yards back. <laughs> Damn. Um, and, it, I mean, Cam Chancellor has a lot of hard hits, but going into that game, it was great offense versus great defense. Mm-hmm. So it was a question of how are the Seahawks going to stop that passing attack with Peyton Manning that threw like 55 touchdowns. And the Seahawks basically did what they did all year. And they said, well, we're not changing anything. We play a certain way. And we're going to basically let you catch those short routes. And this is what's going to happen. And every time you catch a short route, Cam Chancellor or Bobby Wagner is going to punish you in the middle. And by the end of the game, you're not going to want to do it anymore pretty much set the tone of how the rest of the game was going to go, even though the game did start with a safety by the Broncos and then a field goal by Seahawks. So it was 5-0, like four and a half minutes in when this happened. But yeah. it pretty much showed, all right, the Seahawks are going to let Sherman, Browner, and Thomas are going to keep anyone from beating them deep. And when they hit those intermediate routes, Cam or somebody is going to just punish them. So that's pretty much the thing I remember most about Chancellor. Yep. Hard hits. 
hard hits and the biggest one. Well, I mean, not like the biggest hard hit, but in the biggest moment, he freaking brought it. And those guys, they never got their passing game going. They scored like, what, 12 for the game? I don't even remember. Yeah, I think it was like 42 to 12. So, yeah, it's going to be a tough season. We're down to, from that Super Bowl team, pretty much down to Wagner and, and Wilson as the big names. Uh, uh, all of the main guys are gone. Yeah. So, congratulations, Baldwin and Chancellor, on great careers. Unfortunately, they are both shorter than they should have been. I'm surprised on the Baldwin one. I guess it's just an accumulation of injuries. He just was like done with it. Speaking of retirements, Beast Mode's also going out this year. But didn't he say he would come back? He would play if like if the Raiders wanted him. I don't know. Uh, last I heard, it was re- he was retired. Yeah, so I don't know. But yep, Beast Mode, all those guys, man. Slowly coming to an end. We got Sherman and Thomas still holding it down for the vets. Wilson was the young guy then. Now he's the vet. <laughs> On Seattle, him and Wagner, the the two veteran leaders in Seattle now, along with KJ Wright. I think KJ Wright might have been there for the Super Bowl too. Didn't Golden Tate get a big contract? Yeah, well, Tate got a big contract from the Lions, and then I don't know if he did this year. I think he got a one year deal. Giants. Yeah, yeah, one year deal to the Giants. Maybe it's longer, but uh, yeah, it's weird seeing those guys from that Super Bowl team scattered all over the place. Percy Harvin really didn't even play again after that. No, and he only. Barely got to play in that game after being injured most of the year. Because I don't think he even played in the conference championship game. Lucky for him, he ran a kick return in the second <laughs> half back for a touchdown to start the second half and pretty much sealed the game. But, uh, yeah, it's my favorite moments. Ricky just annoyed by those guys making big plays. Pretty much. Uh, and then Baldwin l- talking about it. Baldwin talking about it? What do you mean? I'd have to listen to his quotes all fucking week long because we're in Seattle. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Hard being not liking a team. I mean, you don't hate the Seahawks like the like Hook and Hooper do, do you? No. You know, not I just get shit talked to me because I'm a Cowboys fan, so I just have to tell you. Yeah, Matt Saldivar brings that. <laughs> it doesn't help that you uh, root for the same team as his uh, yeah, fiance. <laughs> Shout out Matt Saldivar. All right, well, back to you, Jared. Uh, we'll hear what you had to, th- had to say about it. <laughs> Well, thanks, Matt and Ricky, for that. Um, as you said, the only guys left of the Super Bowl team are K.J. Wright, Bobby Wagner, and Russell Wilson now. <clears throat> Pretty um, kind of sad, I guess, in some ways. Um, obviously, a sad day in, in Seahawk history, I guess, um, to have those guys go. Um, Cam Chancellor and, Bo- er, and Doug Baldwin. Um, I think that, so when I was thinking about this question, um, when I was thinking about Doug Baldwin, at least, um, I don't know that there's a moment that stands out for me. Um, I think it's a collection of moments. He, his catches, his one-handed catches, his his toe taps, I mean, those things to me stand out. Um, I don't know that one of them stands out above the other ones. I just know he was clutch. He made amazing catches. He was great on the sidelines, along the sidelines. And then the other thing that really stands out for me is his interviews and listening to him speak. Um, You could tell that he's a very smart guy and very, um, very, you know, he knows what he's, 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 everything he does is he's given thought to and, and, uh, 
I mean, I know he had his his year, a couple of years where he's angry, Doug Baldwin, and seemed angry all the time. But I think even then he was a little bit calculated and and uh, his approach to everything. <clears throat> um, and we see only a certain aspect of that, I guess, um, either through the media or you know whatever he wants to make public, basically. And then um, as for Cam Chancellor, when I started thinking about that. There's a few moments like the one you picked, Matt, um, that really stand out um, in the Super Bowl, knocking uh, Demarcus Thomas or Demarius Thomas back a bunch that like set the tone for that Super Bowl defensively, at least. And we just dominated everything from that point on. Um, and so that's an easy pick. But um, I actually did a little more thinking about what I what I remember and what I, what stands up to me. Um, the other one that is easily, easily um, uh, uh, a possibility was uh, the early days against the 49ers when he, when he, uh, I forget their tight end's name right now, but when they, when he smashed that guy a few times, gave him concussions and, and, you know, just, again set the tone for the defense in the early days and <clears throat> so that was a big one for cam chancellor but also but the one i picked as my favorite moment um was actually in the i think divisional round of the playoffs against the carolina panthers when they were driving it was late in the game uh panthers were driving with cam newton and he threw a ball towards the end zone and Cam picked it off and took it all the way back to the house. And, you know, <clears throat> when he picked that one off, he it was just like he was shot out of a rocket, full speed ahead, and nobody was catching him. Um, pretty awesome. Um, pretty huge moment, you know. Um, and so I think that would be my pick for, for uh, Cam Chancellor and his, uh, you know, his moment that stands out to me, I guess. Uh, like I said, Doug Baldwin, it's a little tougher for me on that one just because he had a collection of moments and and he he kind of, you know, there wasn't really a, a thing that set the tone for anything. He just made big plays a lot and he made <clears throat> he made great catches a lot. So um, that's kind of what stands out to me on there. Um, but I think that's about all I have for that. Um so moving forward, uh, as as we've said, as I said earlier, um, and actually now it's been released, uh, the guys over at Fairweather Friends, Matt and Ricky, who we just heard from, um, they will take over from time to time and do um, what they like to call MBA by amateurs. Um, I think, uh, I don't know how often they'll do that. I don't think it's going to be any set schedule, just whenever they feel like it, more or less. Uh, just take over and release kind of a bonus episode of uh, Rain City Sports. Won't affect what I do, um, but but it will just be strictly NBA. Uh, get the they're they're a little bit more in tune on all that on the NBA side. Uh, I've had a struggle since Sonics left way back when um, to be super into it. Uh, I follow kind of indirectly, you know, like from a distance, I guess. Um, so I'll talk about it here and there, but they'll go much more in depth. So take a listen to that if you're interested. Um, 
And as always, listen to Fairweather Friends podcast or uh, so Matt has a podcast called Chaos's Ladder, uh, all about Game of Thrones that you could check out. <clears throat> um, recapping each episode as here in the final season, only one episode left. Um, so that's some good stuff. And then uh, obviously their Fairweather Friends podcast is always going 27 episodes in. Um, but yeah, so check them out. Check me out on it, on Twitter if you want to get a, a hold of me. It's underscore Rain City Sports. Uh, that's underscore Rain City Sports again. And uh, you know, if you want to get in contact, let me know what you think. Let me know what you're uh, what you're thinking of the Seahawks offseason. What you think about uh, Doug Baldwin and Chancellor calling it calling it calling it an end? I guess. Um, and you know, what do you think about the Mariners' struggles? <coughs> Um, they won a couple now against Oakland, but, uh, overall still struggling mightily. Um, so, uh, anyways, yeah, I think that's it for today. I appreciate you listening. Please, uh, you know, give me some feedback. Let me know what you think. Let me, let me know how I can improve, I guess would be the best way to say it. Uh, appreciate you guys. I'm out. I'm out.